and welcome to Stationary Adjacent, a podcast at the intersection of analog and digital productivity. I'm joined as always by my friend and co-host, Stu Lennon. Hey, Stu. How are you? I'm very well, thank you, Justin. How are you? I'm enjoying a lovely sunrise this morning. Uh-huh. I'm not sure if it's the sunrise or the fires of Mount Doom have ignited again over in yonder, but wow, the colors this morning. I think it's red sky in the morning. Sailor takes warning, so I'm not sure what that leads for the rest of the day, but wow, what a morning. Well, just just cancel that sailing trip. That, that'd be my advice to you. Uh, more importantly, how is uh, is Mrs. T? Uh, she's good. Uh, she's had a bit of a rough week, but, uh, you know, it's part of the process. She's keeping upbeat and uh, busy texting me whenever she needs anything. That, that, that's the way to do it. Keep you on a short leash. Even though we live in the same house. <laughs> well, why have all this wonderful technology if you can't make use of it when you're feeling a bit poorly? That's what I say. Yeah. Um, hey, speaking of which, focus mode. I was trying to figure out why some of the stuff that I have reminders for in the evening stopped popping up. Apparently, if you upgrade to iOS 15, Focus mode blows away all the settings that you previously had, and you have to go and re-enable them. So I have mine automatically shut down at nine o'clock at night, and then there's some tasks that I want popping up, you know, to remind me of things that I have to do around the house, and I wasn't getting notifications. Uh, did you have to deal with anything like that? Yeah, no, I had a few of those. So uh, the thing that I noticed most was um, Instagram was set to announce notifications. <laughs> Oh, wonderful. Yeah, that can really get in the way of your podcast listening. <laughs> so uh, there, there was some fairly quick work in working out where to turn all that off. Um, and I'm still I'm still playing with it. I mean, it's surprisingly complex for most of our settings, because I assume that you and I are broadly the same, which is just turn everything off. Mm-hmm. That's quite easy. But if you want to get a bit more nuanced, then it starts getting complicated and you start having to answer questions. Do you want time-sensitive notifications to get through? Uh, well, what's a time-sensitive notification? If it's not time-sensitive, why are you notifying me? Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, so no, I'm working slowly through it. Um, and I have had some help from uh, the internet. So uh, Lisa, uh, who's um, who I know from the other podcast, 1857, she's, she DM'd me on Twitter, um, just a link to the HomePod update. Mm-hmm. Because one of the things that the HomePod... Uh, has been doing these are the old home pods you know the big ones is that you start a podcast on your device whether that be your phone or your mac you airplay it across to the the home pods and then about 20 seconds later it stops uh the little ones do exactly the same thing just to okay yeah so um apparently that wasn't the fact that handoff and bluetooth is utterly useless although i maintain it is utterly useless mm-hmm. but this update that's come through has fixed that apparently mm-hmm. it's a bit early for me to say i mean i have downloaded it and i haven't had the error today i don't think i do have to admit before bed last night i was doing some work on the show notes and i saw that note uh thank you lisa because uh Stu shared it with me in the show note last night and i went down and updated all of mine which is you know when you have several home pods of different sizes it gets confusing that home app is terrible just saying yep 
Yep, certainly is. I mean, I only have three. I've got two, a pair down here and one upstairs in the kitchen. But it did take about 45 minutes and three attempts to actually get them updated. Yeah, downloading. And then they disappear. And it's like, well, did that download? Did it update? How do I check my... Yeah, exactly, yeah. And nothing was happening on that app because apparently I haven't gone into it and it was waiting to tell me what's new, um, which is why I don't think anything automatically updated. But, ah, just boggles my mind sometimes. <laughs> hey, uh, two old men shouting at the internet. That's pretty much it. Uh, and somebody correcting us and telling us what's the right way to do it. We're recording this on November the 5th, which for those of us in the stationary world is Fountain Pen Day number 10. Did you get anything yet, Stu? No. I mean, unfortunately, though, I record a podcast with, well, he's a slightly eccentric Canadian who sent me some links through uh, on, on the very show note from which I speak now. And I, I'm not sure if you did this intentionally, but one of your links goes to a fountain pen shop in Athens, no less. Mm. Which is, well, I mean, I mean, I can't see it, but it's a short hop across the Mediterranean from here. And of course, because of the, the European Union... Um, we're effectively the same country when it comes to things like customs and taxes. So I, I had a, a sort of, well, I just went to look at an ink and 45 minutes later I came away thinking, well, I could maybe buy one of those or perhaps one of the. So at the moment I'm holding firm. Mm. Um, I don't think I'll be making a purchase on Fountain Pain Day, but now that I know that shop is there, it's any matter of time, I would think. That was pure luck. I did not do that intentionally, Stu. Really? <laughs> I know you didn't. <laughs> I just found one of the best links that I could find to show the ink off. Anyway, um, I didn't buy anything this morning. I was shopping as far away as cult pens in Europe, seeing what they had. They had some nice pens. They had some nice deals. Unfortunately, they didn't have anything that I was interested in in stock, or maybe that's fortunately for my pocketbook. Mm. I did have two pens come in this week. One of which is the one I'm using. One is which will be the one I'm going to use next week. So cool. I do have pens, but uh, no, nothing, nothing so far. But hey, the day is early for me. I have lots of time to think about this and reconsider my options and make an expensive day for myself. Well, I wish you and your pocketbook the best of luck. What about tool of the week? What's your tool of the week this week? I have no tools. Oh, I had a very, very unproductive week with lots of interruptions. I was, yeah, I was all over the place and I sat down to say, what made my week productive? And I came to the realization that I just did not feel productive. And maybe that's because I need something to make me feel productive, but it wasn't going to happen this week. And I thought rather than making something up, I would just say that, you know, sometimes despite our very, very best intentions. Weeks just fall away from you. And I feel like this was one of those for me. Mm. It happens uh, with the best will in the world. It happens, particularly when you've got a lot going on, which clearly you have. So mm -hmm. uh, I, I think probably the message that the listener would like you to hear is don't beat yourself up. Yeah. Dust yourself off. Get back on it. It'll be fine. Yeah. Uh, going by Stu's advice from last week, I'm 
just going to take a red Sharpie and color my entire diary in red this week. <laughs> well, actually, that links beautifully to my tool of the week, which is um, At Your Best by, uh, well, his name is still difficult. It's Kerry Newhoff. The spelling is fantastic. Mm-hmm. And that's the whole sort of green, yellow, red zones. So depending on what type of person you are, how you actually work, taking your your most important time and making that green, the time when you're really useless, we all have it, make that red, and the stuff in the middle yellow, uh, and try and make sure that you do the important stuff in the green zone. Rocket science, I know. As I sort of went through the book, I, I came to the realization that really there's, there's a lot of old wisdom in here. So um, you know, Stephen Covey's Big Rocks and Little Rocks and Sand. Um, there's a little bit of sort of deep work in there from Cal Newport and, and some essentialism uh, from Greg McKeown. It's, it's all in there together, sort of mixed up and then color-coded. <laughs> That's the key thing that comes out of it is there are three colors, mm. which for a simpleton like me is fantastic. That's, that's something I can sort of get behind. I read some of these books and think, wow, oh, there's a lot of great thinking gone into that. I've taken some notes and... And then a week later, it's all just a sort of fuzz of big, long, complicated words. Um, whereas I've taken something you know, very concrete away from the colors. So I have actually taken my calendars and from 7 to 11, weekday morning, I have blocked off that time. Um, and I think I've called it creating. But it's just a, it's just a trick. So when somebody says to you, oh, what are you doing Thursday, Thursday morning? I look at it, oh, sorry, I've got something in the diary. Because if you don't have something in your diary, you're tempted to go, oh, nothing, why? And they go, oh, and the, the example he used made me laugh. Oh, could you help me move my piano? You know, that's the sort of thing that you end up getting roped into, which is fine. I, I like moving pianos, but I, I don't want to do it during my most productive time. That's the, the thing. I tell you what, you know, I have a big truck. One of the things that you learn very quickly when you have a big truck is you always ask the why before you commit to an answer on what you're doing, because everybody needs a truck to move something. For sure. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, you know, one of the biggest takeaways I got from this book was just rehearsing how you handle those questions. Mm. So, you know, what are you doing next Saturday? Um, Are you free on Thursday morning? Instead of answering that, as I think we automatically do, you know, you grab your calendar and go, oh, nothing. You open your calendar, you see that you've blocked off time for yourself. And you say, oh, I've got something in the calendar. Why? Oh, because I was going to ask if you wanted to come around for a party. Oh, that's really sweet of you. Thank you very much. But no, I'm afraid I can't make it. You haven't hurt anybody's feelings. (laughs) You haven't given up your time, your most important time for something that probably doesn't warrant it and of course you do have the option of going oh well that's really sweet look look, let me see if i can move stuff around and i'll come back to you and in justin's case or my case go and ask our better halves he'll tell us whether we want to go or not (laughs) i think i think it's a useful tool very good i completely off topic but i got to share this uh, especially about our better halves telling us whether we can go or not you know, I've been complaining about the, the, the cold weather up here. Well, you're, you're more complaining about the, the prospect of the cold weather, I think. Well, my brother-in-law, 
invited us over on a Saturday night for a fire pit. I don't know if you do these kind of things. I've never done one before. Apparently, you just go and sit outside around a fire. Mm -hmm. It was minus three, Stu. I don't care how much fire you've got. It's bloody cold. Yep. I'm learning all of these things that rural people do. I feel like such an outsider. Mm, I, I suppose there's uh, no, no, I'm with you, Justin. No, no, it's minus three. Let's go inside. I think that would probably be my answer. Um, it would be, yes, this is lovely, but I want to go inside. We were sitting outside his perfectly warm, lit up house that has nice, comfortable chairs. And we were sitting outside. Mm. I don't get it. I don't get it. I guess it's, you know, the ambience are. You know, even the wine didn't warm me up, but it was, um, anyway, I'm learning all kinds of stuff about things that rural Canadians do. <laughs> well, there you go, the wilds of Canada. So you would recommend uh, Mr. Newhoff's book then? Oh, definitely. Yeah, it's a great read. Very straightforward, very simple. Um, he's actually written at the right length. He hasn't padded it and added 16 okay. chapters to make it look better. Um, it's, uh, it's quite short. Uh, it's to the point and uh, there's a nice jaunty tone to it. I enjoyed it. I did buy it based on our last conversation. I just haven't had any chance to read this week. So I think that'll be something that I will add to my list, move it up the list and read it soon. Great stuff. What is your pen and ink of the week, Stu? Uh, well, first of all, some, some, um, well, some very big news. Oh. Uh, I actually finished the uh, Twisby. I got through that reservoir in, I'm just, just pulling it now to, to demonstrate to myself that it is in fact fully cleaned out. Yes, the 580L, AL, um, I got to the end of it today, cleaned it out this afternoon. Oh, that was a lot of pen. Um, and this week, um, I inked up just yesterday, in fact, my um, Sailor Pro Gear Slim, which is, I'm, I'm quite a fan of big pens, but I, I'm increasingly finding myself drawn to these smaller ones. Uh, this is the Sapporo um, white version with the rhodium trim, so it's sort of white and silver, from the aforementioned Cult Pens. That's where I got it. It was my first Sailor Pro Gear. Um, I'm my only Sailor Pro Gear now that I think about it. Um, I'm not sure you'd be wild about it if it's a medium, but it's a, it's a lovely pen. Mm -hmm. And I filled it with ink that I know you will like because you, you've got the guitar to match. Um, Diamine Gibson Les Paul, the Honey Burst. Mm. Another lovely, lovely guitar. And a lovely ink. So a very, very delicate sort of orange. It's beautiful. Um, so, yeah. A little bit lighter than, than my guitar, but uh, very nice. I, I do have the ink. I don't think I've done anything more than sample it. I haven't actually put it in anything. Uh, it, how does it look? Is it too light to write with on a daily basis, or is it just enough? I, I think it's just enough. Um, if I was writing a lot of text, you know, a big, long letter, I might find it a bit wearing. I'm not sure. But most of the time, I'm writing short notes, and it's fine for that. Mm -hmm. um, and it's just... Diamine ink is such good quality, uh, particularly when you look at the price. Yeah, good. One of the best values. Yeah, it's brilliant. Um, so no, I really like it. I'm looking forward to Christmas when I get my 24 new diamond inks. Oh, of course, you've got the advent calendar, haven't you? 
I do, but uh, I got to wait another uh, 25 days, 26 days, something like that, before I can play with it. I was trying to think about that the other day and wonder how I, I have a hard time using up ink in a week. I can't even imagine trying to use an ink fill in a day. Um, I think what you need to do is find some way of combining NaNoWriMo and your advent calendar and sit there and say, right, I'm not going to write 1,800 and blah, 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 how many words it is. Mm. It's the only way. I, I still use uh, fine or extra fine nibs, Stu. I'll still be there for a week. Mm, true. I, I'm going to have to use Stu's nibs. That's it, bigger nibs. I, I do have a Twisby with a 1.1 stub. Uh, but we know how Twisbees work for getting through those in a hurry, right, Stu? Yeah. Well, I mean, the one I was using is a 1.1 stub. <laughs> and that took me, what, three weeks or something? <laughs> All right. Good to know. All right. Yeah. My pen. I got a new pen this week, Stu. Your pen. I got <gasps> a Monteverdi. They have a series of pens called Mountains of the World. It's been out for a little while. I almost picked one of these up a few years ago. We were in LA uh, visiting Disneyland and I took a bit of a drive out to a place called Mondovia, I think it is. And it's up towards the San Fernando Valley, kind of in the foothills. And there was this wonderful little old store that was run by a, a gentleman who since passed away, but I think he'd had the store for 50 years or something like that. It was just a, a beautiful collector pen, but a lot of stuff for me. And I almost picked up this pen at that point, but they didn't have the right nib. So I passed on it and picked up something else. But uh, I came across this on sale the other day and picked it up. It is the mountains of the world in the Mount Vesuvio. So Mount Vesuvio, I'm guessing is some sort of a volcano in greece <laughs> it is yeah uh because this is uh, no 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 it's it's in italy in italy i do apologize i see mm. um the other side of the world to know these things and my research sucks before show prep you know who does such a thing don't worry it's it's a minor detail young man minor detail so this pen is sort of a shimmery black and silvery gray very very nice but it has bright orange swirls throughout the acrylic on it, which makes it absolutely gorgeous. I really do love this pen. It's got so much character to it. It's just a, an inexpensive steel nib pen, but writes like a dream. I, uh, I have to say, I went, I went and looked it up when, when I saw the link, um, and that whole little collection there, mm -hmm. um, the mountains of the world, they don't look lovely. They, they are. And I tell you, in, in person, they look even better than on the website because you, you get that, uh, what do they call it? Chartoonce that uh, gives it that shimmer to it. So every, mm. whenever you turn it, it's got a little bit of a, a shimmer and a sheen to the acrylic itself. Really nice. Gorgeous. And of course, because it has the orange and well, we all love orange. I had to fill it up with some Hiroshizuku. Fuyagaki, which is a beautiful, beautiful matching orange. And so I've been writing an orange all week and I absolutely love it. It's been a great week for that. So there we go. Mm. And that, um, the link in that channel is to the aforementioned store in Athens, just across the med, um, <laughs> which, um, it also has a bit of a penchant for Pelican 
which could be dangerous if you put that together with me because I'm quite fond of a pelican. Mm-hmm. That was actually funny. I was looking at pelicans at um, Copens this morning. That was what I was contemplating for fountain pen day. Mm, well, they are. They're incredibly reliable pens. They're beautifully made. Uh, they're a little thick for me, but hey, sure. you know what? I I can live with it. I I was dealing with my thick Estabrook the other week, so you know maybe I could go there. I keep going back mm. and forth on them. I've got a couple of pelicans, but they're sort of fun nibs, stub nibs that I've had done over the period of time. So uh, not not my normal day to day writing, but uh, as a little bit of fun once in a while, they're fun to have. Sure. Cool. All right, so let's talk about our topic today, Stu. We're going to talk about the process. So I wanted to really think about what processes do we have in place to make ourselves productive? And really the question I was kind of asking myself about this was, do I still use GTD methodology? And... Mm -hmm. Can that be taught to people to help them think about processes a little bit without going the whole GTD part? So it's been a rough couple of weeks for me, and I sort of felt like all my processes fell apart, and that really added a lot of stress to me. Mm -hmm. The problem is when your processes fall apart, you have to firefight the problems created because your processes have fallen apart. And that means that you have less time for your processes and your routines and even more of those fall apart. So it was led to a rough week for me and I I was reacting rather than directing my attention. Yep. Kind of what led me to this whole processes thought. Mm -hmm. What, What are your thoughts on processes? Something that you deal with, you have kind of react a little bit, especially given that you're into so many different buckets of of activities how do you do it yeah well it's um i mean the first thing i would say is that it was only a few weeks ago that i felt i was fighting overwhelm myself and you know i remarked that the first things that suffer are those routines and processes and i call them anchor points mm-hmm. which i usually use to keep myself on task and on target and unfocused. And it's, it's completely illogical. Um, and we're both generally speaking, quite logical people because we, we both know that we can find 15 minutes in any day to sit down and say, okay, where am I? What, what should I be doing? What should I be you know, focusing? We know we can do that and yet we don't. And that's because overwhelm and um, you know, emotional turmoil, these things don't follow logic. <laughs> they, they follow their own rules. Uh, and it happens to everyone, I think. Um, get things done, I think, is a fantastic way of encapsulating a personal productivity system uh, that incorporates lots of processes. Now, the actual mechanics of those processes have changed. Um, it was, it was first sort of devised or documented, shall we say, really before the advent of the personal computers. <laughs> there was a, 
uh, you know, work still was driven by bits of paper and inboxes. Uh, and a lot of the methodology that's in the original G2D um, is built around that. And it's now been developed and sort of digitalized. But for me, I don't think anybody now uses GTD because it was designed of its time and for its time. But many of us, in fact, most of us, I think, use many of the principles behind it. And the, I mean, the first thing I wrote when, when I read your, your note about processes was, you know, why, why should we need one? Because ultimately, you know, certainly when I was a youngster, I would get up, I would do what I needed to do, <laughs> and then I would go to bed, and then I would get up and do it all again. And I, I wrote this show note, that's, that's Nirvana. <laughs> and, and actually, I don't know, whether it be not Nirvana or not, I don't know, it, it's a Camino. Because that's what I do on Camino. I get up and I walk, and then I stop walking, I eat, drink, sleep, repeat. <laughs> uh, and come back after a week of walking thinking, oh, life is wonderful. There's definitely something to that, but, but life doesn't work that way. Um, and so for me, particularly when overwhelm looms, the thing that's most important is capture. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's just, uh, when I say capture for me, what I actually mean is taking that 15 minutes to say, okay, what have I got on? What am I doing? What am I supposed to be doing? What do I have to do? What things are going to get me punched by um, my beloved wife? What, or if I don't do them, you know, that type of prioritization, that that's what I call capture because I have inboxes everywhere. Like everyone does, you know, I've got emails, uh, in my case, I've got notebooks left, right and center as, as Justin does. I've got a, uh, a task manager that's got things in it. And so capturing is for me, is not just putting things into that. It's recognizing what's in it and saying, okay, so where am I? Mm -hmm. And there are many other processes, which I guess we will touch on. But for me, that is the one that gives me a fighting chance. That's my anchor point. So that I can sit down either at the end of a day or a start of a day and say, okay, where am I? Ideally, it should be the end of the day. Because then as part of that process, I prepare for the day following. And then whatever happens to me between <laughs> doing that review and getting to my desk the following day, I at least know what I was intending to do. I'm having a, I have a hard time with planning out at the end of the day. At the end of the day, I'm tired. I'm, I, you know, the last thing I want to do is think about tomorrow. Mm -hmm. I just want to kind of go through and look at what I accomplished today, take a moment to say that's it, and then I'm I'm done. Mm. But you know, I, I am certainly more of a, what do they call it? A lark. I'm I'm an early yep. morning riser. Sure. Um, you know, I think uh, this morning I was up about 3.30 working on stuff already. Mm -hmm. That, I don't think it is normal. I, I met my daughter who is, what's the opposite of larks do? Night owl. An owl. Okay. So she was uh, going to bed as I was getting up. So, you know, even in this house, things change. We kind of wave at each other, say hi and good night and good morning. And uh, that's it. Off to work. <laughs> but... You know, at the end of the day, usually I'm wrapping up my day somewhere around 4 or 5 p.m. Uh, if I don't have anything personal to do, I, I don't want to think about that. I do that in the morning. Can I, can I cut, it, cut into you, though? Because I agree with you. I'm the same in that I, I'm very tired by that stage. 
And I started my afternoon routine. I still don't do it every day. I'm trying to, but try because of uh, something that Max Barkey said. Mm. And he talks about the way that morning, morning Sparky uh, is a bit of a jerk and, and thinks he can do everything. And so uh, if you do your sort of to-do list, your priorities, whatever, you know, we use analog in the morning, then you will, you will load yourself up with, with tasks because you're full of optimism and energy and vigor. Whereas if you can get tired, Justin, at the end of the afternoon to say, okay, what's realistic for tomorrow? You're more likely to put down the two things that really matter rather than the eight things that you'd kind of like to get done. So there's a, there's a sort of, um, I mean, I'm trying to do it myself. I'm trying to learn the discipline of saying, okay, I'm trying to stop my day a little bit earlier. So I'm saying at three o'clock, all right, let me do tomorrow's card. Even though I'm pretty confident I'm going to work on for another hour, maybe two or three, I've still got some energy at three o'clock to say, right, okay, let's uh, just give tomorrow a shape because I know my best work is going to happen, you know, before 11. So I, I'm beginning to sort of map that day. It's, it's, it's something worth exploring, I'd say. Um, I'm, I'm seeing some benefit from it. Hmm, I'll have to take a look at that. I guess for me, part of my process, you know, is planning that, is winding up and envisioning my day and, you know, having a cup of coffee and doing my planning in the morning. And I guess that's, you know, sort of a different thing. Sure. You know, I, I'm probably a little too ambitious, but I don't always hold myself to, you know, that's a problem. If you know what I mean? Sure. Like I'm okay with it. If I'm, if I'm ambitious and I have to. I, I have to defer something to the next day. That's not necessarily a problem. Uh, yeah, no, I agree with you. I think the, for me, morning planning, um, I, the reason what David Sparks said resonated with me so much is that I'm like that. Uh, in the morning, I think everything is possible. And I, I tend to come out of the blocks very quickly and I can work really, really hard on whatever's taken my fancy, which can be a real, <laughs> which can be a real risk. Because sometimes I get into this whole sort of uh, dopamine search. So I hit all my inboxes and clear all my emails and, you know, lots of really quick wins. And, boom, boom. and before I know it, my most productive time is gone, essentially ticking boxes. Mm. Where if I, if I get the discipline to, to plan the day before, then I, I at least go to bed with the thought, okay, tomorrow I'm going to write so-and-so chapter or so-and-so piece, or I'm going to yeah, assess idea A or, you know, whatever it might be. Um, I've already sort of set that expectation. I think, I don't know anything about neuroscience, but I think my subconscious gets most of that work done while I'm sleeping. If I could teach my subconscious to type, I'd be a whole lot better off. Yeah. You know, I sort of get up in the morning and I think, okay, I know the answer to this. Boom. It's just done. It is a kind of retask. Morning planning. I, I do, um, similarly, I think. So I get a coffee. My wife now gets up really early. Um, and she's getting ready for work. So I can't really do anything productive. Um, I don't know about you, but I'm kind of in, uh, support mode there. Um, I don't have to do anything. I just have to be available. Uh, that's okay. She'll text you. <laughs> yeah. Well, I sort of sit there uh, having espresso, um, sort of talking to the dogs 
Um, we've now got to the stage we get up before the dogs. I mean, that, that I think is a, as a real mark. We get out of the bed so the dogs get into it. And then it's as, as I'm sitting there sort of being available, I will on my phone, you know, I'll go through the emails and do all the triage stuff of delete that, delete that, delete that. Oh, might need to look at that, delete that, delete that, delete that. Oh, I will answer that. Boom. I do all that sort of stuff over a coffee. And again, I think that's my brain going, okay, let's sort of clear the decks here because in a minute we're going to go to the desk and get the real work going. Mm -hmm. And with processes, I think all of our processes are really about one thing and that's doing the most important stuff. Hmm. There will always be things on, on lists. If you make a sort of someday maybe list or a things I would like to do list, it should kind of be infinite. So infinite is what I'm trying to say. Mm -hmm. There's always things to do. Um, what we're trying to get knocked off is those important things, those things that are critical to work or critical to home or, and that sort of selection process, choosing what to do is, is very, very important. Yeah. I think coming back to GTD and for those of you that don't know GTD, I'm guessing if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably aware of it. Uh, GTD is getting things done. A book in a system by David Allen that came out, I think in 2001. So 20 odd years ago now, and something that I got on very early. There are several parts to that. I don't really want to get into what the system is as such. One of the takeaways that I got in so far as planning a process from GTD was looking at everything you wanted to do and break it in down into a small bite-sized task. You know, what is the next action? And that next action, maybe I collect a piece of information. I Google this, I send an email to so-and-so, you know, a, a bridge doesn't get built in a day, but that next action can do. I need a planning permit for that bridge. I need to find out who owns the land. I need to order the material, whatever it is. Each one of those is a small, distinct action. And I think the GTD methodology to me taught me to really think about a nebulous task, a big task, and break it down into the small next actions and realize that any big project is a series of next actions. And once you start breaking down a project into next actions, a process, if you like, you get away from decision paralysis because you can get that when you're not defined, you're thinking about something, you're trying to figure out what it is. And quite often when we do that, we go around in circles picking something to do one small action is is quite amazing and can really spearhead where you go the process for me from gtd became how many of those next actions became repeatable became a series of repeatable steps and the more you can build things into a series of repeatable steps because let's face it most of the things we do we aren't trailblazing on. We've done something similar or the same thing in a different way before. It's a routine task that we're doing. It's not too many new things that we're doing. You know, even down to, let's say you were developing a new microchip. I'm assuming the process for testing and everything like that is very much what you did in the last generation of chips. So I, I think most things can be systematized into a process. 
And that process starts with identifying what those those next actions can be. Yep. I mean, I, I think you're right. And I think for most of us, a large parts of our, our lives, those sort of small actions automatically exist. And those tend to be the things that we default to. Um, if we haven't gone through the process that you described of saying, okay, here's this nebulous task. What does it actually mean in terms of actions? There's a tendency to leave those things, you know, in the clouds, hence the word nebulous, and focus on, oh, emails, I know what to do with them, which is why so many people now spend, you know, their entire day in their inbox. Mm -hmm. and, and they're almost waiting to be distracted. Oh, look, there's another email from Jim. I must deal with that. I'll reply to it and you reply to it in such a way that will generate another reply so that you can sit there and be terribly, terribly busy and achieve nothing. What's important is to find that time to say, okay, that big nebulous thing, you know, whether that be taking your business in a new direction or onboarding a new client or, you know, wh whatever it is, how do I start that ball rolling? What is the first thing? What's the next actionable item, as Justin says? Hmm. And I think it's really powerful in that area. Taking the time, Stu, I think you've been reading the show notes for the next topic because that's kind of where we're going to go. But yeah, exactly the great point. On top of this is taking the time to plan it and really think about it. Mm -hmm. You know, one of the problems is if you don't have formal processes, things can get missed. And I had some of that this week. That's part of what threw my week off. Not necessarily a process that I missed, uh, but you know, I work with people and people should follow a process. It's a simple process that has been done, you know, however many times before. And all of a sudden errors and omissions in that process create, I'm trying to think of a nice way to say it, but a big firm all, you know, yeah, for sure that, uh, and, and that was kind of what got me really thinking in terms of. Uh, how much do you have to define a process? How much do you have to systematize it? You know, I, I have sort of an ongoing debate with myself about process. I have a startup and a shutdown routine. Mm -hmm. Every morning when I know I'll be at my computer for the jobby job, I have my task manager open up and because I'm a geek, it actually tells me open the pod bay doors, how, uh, because you know, I'm just that kind of geek. <laughs> It pops up, it takes over control of my screen so that I have to deal with it. And that makes sure that I'm looking at what I need to do for that day. And let me stop you. That That's an automation that, that you've set up? Yeah, it is. Oh, there's an episode in that. Take a note, Miss Brian, take a note. We must revisit that. Yes, I, I have it pop up a couple of times a day. Basically, I want to, I want to make sure that you know, again, it comes down to dealing with my own, I have a process in the morning. I do this, I do that. I do the other thing. And what I was finding, I would get up and I would do a David Sparks. I would work on the big thing and I wouldn't check in on some of those small things that aren't as exciting as the big process, you know, the, the big project that you're working on, but can still bite you if you miss them. Mm -hmm. And those are the little things that, you know, I, I capture their routine stuff that you capture in, in, in my case, OmniFocus, my task manager. But if I didn't look at it, I didn't necessarily do it. 
And I don't want to write those in a task list because a lot of them are, I need to send a reminder email about this. I need to follow up on this. I need to download this report because I'm going to need this information at a certain point in time for something else that I'm doing. And if I didn't do those, then I would miss them. And you know, they're not big tasks. They're, it, it would be like trying to sit down and write down a list of all the emails that you need to do in a day. You know, it's just administration that you need to do. But certainly I can get lost on the bigger things and miss some of those time sensitive things. So that's why I kind of have this automation set up. But in that automation, I have a checklist for my morning startup routine. And that is, I need to check these emails. I need to check those emails. And they're not necessarily working emails. They are looking those, scan those for anything that is blowing up. You know, if I've got an email from the bank or from, you know, you know pray tell an auditor out of the government of Canada, uh, one does need to respond to that on a fairly timely basis. Mm -hmm. So I'm doing a quick check, but I have all of those detailed. A little while ago, I decided I know what I need to do. So I took those out and I just made one reminder that said morning startup. Oh dear. And that went well for, oh, maybe two weeks, three weeks. And then all of a sudden I got sloppy because I didn't have to check it off. Uh, you know what, that, that, that email account, nobody looks at that. There's nothing important in there. And those kind of things got missed that, that planning step got missed. Um, and it just became a real problem for me. So defining that process for me is a, you know, even if it is a series of repeatable steps that I do every morning, Stu, it's not like these are things that I do at month end or quarterly or, you know, my annual insurance renewals or things like that. This is a process I do every morning and I just got lazy. I started skipping steps. I kind of I yeah, forgot one you didn't bother with it one morning. And then all of a sudden that sets a new pattern. And so I went back to having this process detailed, you know, in my day, it makes it look very cluttered because I have probably eight steps in the morning and I have eight steps in the afternoon as part of my shutdown for the jobby job. And then I have my personal shutdown that pops up at night, as long as the focus mode of my new iOS device isn't uh, hiding it from me. <laughs> One of the, one of the challenges uh, going back to earlier, uh, but yeah, this, this really is important. I think for me to have a process and more than anything to follow that process, because this week, as I say, was kind of a rough week. I didn't feel productive. I know there were a couple of days I skimped on my process. I kind of looked at it and said, I just don't have time. Sure. And I guess you, you have to do that once in a while, but. Some, something you were saying there, um, I don't know if you, if you, if you remembered, but, you know, uh, insurance. Mm -hmm. It was exactly that that sort of prompted me to think, think again about my processes and my productivity, because I, for several years, had been freewheeling, as you suggest. I mean, in, I'm sure it's the same in Canada, but in the UK, you can rely on commercial entities will be in touch with you when they want your money. That's, that's one thing you can be very certain of that. Um, if, uh, for example, an insurance company will email you, call you, send you a pigeon, come and sit on your doorstep. We'll, we'll do something to, to get you to pay them more money. 
in Cyprus, they won't. So I've, uh, I read a post about this. I think I spoke about this before, but I was pulled, pulled up on the, on the highway and given a fine because my car wasn't insured mm. and I hadn't paid the road tax. Um, two things that I would, you know, in the UK, you would set these things up to happen automatically, but that facility didn't exist here. And in, um, I'll give you an example. In Cyprus, you have to uh, pay your road tax annually, calendar year. So 1st January, 31st of December, fairly straightforward. You can now do that online, which is great, fantastic, well done. Welcome to the 20th century, Cyprus. <laughs> and I would, I, I, I know this is true, I set a calendar reminder on the, what was it now? I think it was the... 27th of december so you know that little bit of time between christmas and new year which i think is perfect for this sort of thing so boom reminder pay road tax and i logged on you can't pay it oh why can't you pay it but it's, it's not january yet right okay so then i put in a reminder for the 5th of january which was a bit nervy because you know that's five days late <laughs> but I go on the 5th of January. No, you can't pay it. So I phoned them. Uh, yeah, probably be about the 12th, something like that. What? Yeah, we're, we're, we're not kind of ready yet. Okay. And then I put uh, a reminder for the end of January. And then my wife got a back problem. The world went in a different direction. I just completely forgot. And... As you say, actually what it is, is laziness. Because I've become so reliant on third parties keeping me apprised of these things. Because as I say, in the UK, that would happen. The insurance company will come for you. The, the government will come and send you a reminder saying, pay your tax, pay your tax. And you would have it set up as a sort of automatic debit anyway. Um, but because it was a little bit more laxy, I just completely forgot. Because life takes you off in different directions. You know, whether that be a jobby job thing that gets really big or a personal life thing, you know. Life happens, life gets in the way. And the reason that we have processes and that we have all these wonderful tools to help us is so that we can forget. It's so that we can use our, to use a technical term or computing, use our bandwidth for things that we want to be thinking about or things that we're paid to be thinking about rather than remembering to pay the insurance. You, you should have a system for that, a process for that. And the minute, as you say, the minute you go a little bit lazy on it and think, yeah, it's okay for this. Uh, I, I have still evidence and financial damage to show that you don't remember. Mm -hmm. It just, it turns around and bites you on the behind, he said very politely. That's why there's a whole bunch of memes with the words, I got this, because you never <laughs> knew. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, definitely. Cool. All right, Stu, uh, do you have any takeaways from our discussion today? I think for me, the system you use, and I'm, I'm guessing we're going to explore these a little bit, um, the sort of variation on a theme, um, I would argue that most things do come back to GTD in some way, shape, or form. For me, it's all about that capture moment, which I call it capture, and that's not what it's traditionally called, but it's that moment of saying, what am I doing? What do I have to do? 
it's that moment when you choose which things you are going to do. So we all have choices because we all have, you know, we've got a, a, a Facebook page, we've got a Twitter feed, we've got, in, there are, you can lose yourself in your inboxes for days at a time if you wish. But there are, you choose what you're going to do. So I choose not to check my email once I come to the office. I've done a triage in the morning. At that point, I decide which of those things I'm going to give any of my attention that morning. And then I don't look at email again until the afternoon. And it's that, that little moment when you say, right, this is what I'm going to do. However you do it, whenever you do it, it doesn't matter, but you have to do it. And the easiest way, as Justin has explained, to do that is to have a regular slot and do what works for you. Mm -hmm. I don't think it matters when you do it. Mm, definitely. My thoughts on this one, take the time to set up a process. You know, look at things that are important in your life. Take the time to figure out what the next actions are for those and set it up once. Put it somewhere. Task managers are great for this. Even a list even a sticky note on your monitor, if you happen to be one of those people and just follow that process all the time. Don't rely on your memory because that will bite you. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I bear the scars and the pocketbook does as well. Uh, yes. All right, Stu, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, well, you can find me at nerosnotes.co.uk if you want to buy some wonderful stationary ephemera. Or you can find me at stuartlennon.com, where I write about being me, and I'm also serializing my novel for members. Um, feel free to join up. Um, or if you want me on the, the Twitter machine, you can find me at Stu Lennon. What about you, Justin? Where, where can people find you? You can find me on my personal website, justintwyford.com. That's where you get uh, some of the writing about living out in the country. I haven't complained yet about the fire pit, but I'm sure it's coming. <laughs> You can find my writings on stationery at writeexperience.com. And you can find links to steal myself at stationeryadjacent.com. If you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm JJ Twyford because somebody stole my name and won't give it back. You can also email us stationeryadjacent at gmail.com. Please like and review us on your podcast catcher of choice. We really do appreciate your recommendations to your friends and colleagues that you think might get something out of the show. Our next topic that Stu kind of already talked a little bit about this time is the pause and creating white space in your day. Until then, goodbye and stay productive.